Hey guys, and uh, welcome to another episode of Make It Stack. Uh, my name is Will Waterhouse, and uh, I'll be your uh, host today. Uh, we're joined here again by my brother Joe. Hey guys, yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's fr- Friday afternoon, so uh, f- feeling feelings are good. Good feelings. Yeah, end of the week. End of the week. It's been a t- it's been an okay week in terms of things that's been going on. Business hasn't been. Great this week. Uh, just a few issues, far fighting that kind of thing. But yeah, in terms of investing, that's <laughs> gone really well. So you know, it's a yeah, it's a uh, hmm, yeah, it's been good. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, yeah. Um, I think uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty good actually in the markets this week. Um, uh, the Chinese stock market has done like particularly well. I think yeah. there was a there was an eight day unbroken streak. Uh, of, of of gains uh, on subsequent days, um, and uh, it's actually mad. So there's this BlackRock uh, China A share opportunities mm. fund, which went up by seven percent in one day. Yeah, which is unbelievable. I, I've never seen that before. That's or, uh, like a whole fund of um, probably at least fifty holdings, just uptick of seven percent in 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 a day. Mm. That is chunky. That's chunky monkey. That's interesting, because I don't know. I might have spoken about this before, but you know, uh, Money Water Capital. He's no. a, he's a, yeah. He's always uh, so. Uh, what's the chap's name? Muddy Water, uh, Muddy Waters. What's the guy called? He's like a really famous short seller, um, kind of short dude. Oh, what's his name? Anyway, uh, he's he's always quite skeptical of the Chinese market because of the, uh, they've kind of never played as fair in in certain instances. The Chinese. Mm. Um, companies have been um, slightly more dubious with sort of, I guess, illegal tendencies, and so he's always been slightly skeptical of certain bits and pieces. But he, yeah, he recently shorted a company in China, which was a a, a coffee shop, which they were massively overstating their earnings and things. And then he sort of came out with a with a short position, and then um, I think they actually went to zero. So it's interesting. I can't remember what the guy's called. Oh, so so he made a killing out of out of shorting that particular yeah, stock. Yeah, because of, because of their like illegal practices and overstating income, etc., etc., etc. That's really interesting. I mean, the 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 Chinese stock market is very interesting because um, only until recently it's been very closed off to um, foreign direct investment. Yeah. So so institutional players um, outside of China and retail investors, for that matter. Uh, it's been very hard for them to actually buy into Chinese companies directly. Yeah. Um, which, which is really interesting. And um, the Chinese stock market itself, 75% of activity comes from retail traders. So traders like you and me. 70%. Ra- ra- yeah, rather than like institutional um, players like, like yeah. asset managers and, mm. um, you know, pension funds or whatever. So it's actually really, it's a really interesting environment. And... Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that that with the um, the increase sort of opening, mm. um, there's actually going to be a lot of opportunities for asset managers and investors to to generate alpha. Um, uh, again, also like China is just a ginormous place, um, but it only I think before it only had something like a ten percent weighting or something in the MSCI world indices, right? And this. 
this, um, I think it's recently been stated that the, the Chinese stock market is actually going to become a bigger portion of the MSCI to, to reflect the, the true global sort of state of play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, um, and yeah, so apparently uh, that could lead to to sort of lots of capital inflows when, when asset managers, especially on the passive side, are looking to um, get, exposure. You know, get some exposure. Yeah, so, so that, that was part of the rationale behind, um, behind me actually getting into to China in my, my JP Morgan uh, China Growth and Income Investment Trust, which is up 50% actually mm. in just over a year. Well, in a kind of slightly more um, boots on the ground level about China. Um, so the manufacturing stuff that I do, I deal with manufacturers in uh, essentially the Middle East uh, and China. Guys in the Middle East are sort of back on their feet now. They've still got high shipping prices um, and various other bits and pieces, and it's slightly slower going as a result of Corona. I think it might be partly backlog, partly um, yeah, other bits and pieces, but shipping prices are much higher. Whereas China, um, in terms of their factory outputs, they're back on it 100%, back to normal firing. Um, and that's been the case for, for a period of time. And I guess the market has taken that into consideration, but it's just interesting to see it from a practical perspective that like Chinese factories are open and they are producing mm. at the capacity that they were pre-corona times without a, uh, a kick up on costs or um, a more expensive um, factors of production. So that's interesting is that it's mm. just like back up, back up and running from, from, from a manufacturing perspective, which I guess China is predominantly. That's really good that. And um, so just get, getting on from that, I feel like from a sort of portfolio construction standpoint, um, China's just becoming an ever greater uh, part of the world. Like, no, you know, it's a very obvious statement, but um, yeah. I can definitely see uh, American foreign policy being in a quite uh, quite a tricky challenge going forward when when China is is being more aggressive in terms in terms of you know um, its presence on the world stage. And so mm. I, I feel like investors should try and capitalize on that, and that you know, like. If if there is a, if there is a sort of seismic shift in the power from the Western Hemisphere over to China, yeah, investors need to be well placed to benefit from that. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it it is exciting for sure. Well, I know definitely in my in my portfolio, I've got some exposure to um, to China through. Okay. Um, let me just kick it out. Two sacks. Um, it was the bail. It was the bail gift for China. Fund wasn't it? Bailey for China, yeah, it's at twenty five percent since I bought in, which was um, probably a couple of months ago. That's a tasty annualized return, Joe. That's annualized that's return. into triple, triple digit percentages, yeah, so I reckon, I, over the year. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's up a lot and it's doing really well, and so that kind of works for me. Um, although it's, you know, so it's about it's about eight percent of my portfolio is that fund. So yeah, I mean, it's all good. All good. Yeah, all good. And uh, uh, is there anything to report over over this week over your particular portfolio? Have have you have you actually bought and sold anything, Joe, or is no. is, it, is it is it is it just sort of you know playing it playing it safe, yeah. being patient? I mean, part of it's playing it safe. Part of it's that I've just had an expensive week of just business, so it's just that sale of e. Yeah, so it's just been expensive on that end. So I haven't been quite as bullish to get money in the market as I would would have been before. Um, but I'm 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 still, you know, toying up with the idea of Spotify. Um, I need to still look into it a little bit more and look at like 
current valuations and, and various bits and pieces. But yeah, so no, portfolios remains unchanged, um, but I am looking to, to do something with it in the next couple of weeks, I think. Some money in the market, yeah. Excellent stuff. So um, I was just thinking about, about things we can discuss on, on this episode. Yeah. And um, one thing that uh, I was very keen to talk about, which I think is relevant for all investors, is kind of the choice that investors have in terms of passive versus active exposure. So there's a lot of buzzwords going around. And yeah. passive, ca- passive can also be referred to as beta and active is alpha. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every investor out there... Um, at some point needs to decide, am I going to go down the passive route, the active route, or, or somewhere in the middle? Now, I guess, I guess I'm kind of throwing you in at the deep end here, Joe, but like, what, what, what are your sort of immediate thoughts around, around um, active and passive funds at the moment? And, and, and what did you think about in terms of your active own portfolio construction? Funds. Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting. I don't know about active and passive funds, uh, other than, I guess, a passive fund, my understanding of that would be um, it's just an indices. Mm. Um, whereas a active fund is where you kind of there's buy and sell, there's movement of kind of yeah, it's not kind of tracking something. It's trying to be its own thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. So, 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 really so low level. Yeah. So, ju- just kind of go on from that. So, with a with a, with a passive fund, for example, um, a FTSE 100. Uh, tracker fund that, that that the objective of that fund manager operating that fund yeah is to match the performance of the underlying assets that make up the FTSE 100 uh. so so that that's that's kind of what a what a what a passive fund is, is all about um and because uh because there is sort of few resources needed to to manage the fund because there's no need for research really um mm. investors can actually um get into these funds uh, and they're very low cost so in previous episodes we've, we've talked about you know vanguard is the classic example of of being able to track you know major indices you know with, with three three not point not three percent so like three basis point charges mm. and um and i yeah I, I just feel like that is just a really really good sort of core starting point for an investor yeah um for me personally I, I, I sort of like to have a core satellite approach where essentially I'd like to have, at the, mo- at the moment it's, it's sort of on the low side, but I've got sort of 15, 20% in, in, in a sort of um, legal and general international index trust, which is a, basically an, an all world excluding UK track fund. Right. And, um, and so that for me, I think in, in terms of the long run is hopefully going to become sort of 25, 30% of the portfolio. And then, you know, around that, I'll have um, more actively managed funds and, and direct equities. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a, a, a sort of interesting point coming off the back of that is that, um, so back in 2007, Warren Buffett uh, placed a bet with a collection of hedge fund managers, and it was a million dollar bet that um, over 10 years, um, the S&P 500, I believe, S&P yeah. 500, Index would um, index fund would outperform those hedge fund managers. Uh, yeah. Anyway, ten years later, in twenty seventeen, he actually won the bet, and the proceeds went to charity. But it's just quite an interesting thing uh, talking about like 
actively manage versus passive funds and it's like you know if, you know i mean that's quite interesting yeah that's that's really that's really interesting because the the thing is is um you have all these actively managed funds with fund managers that like to think they're the johnny big balls of investing and um mm. and you know time and again they're proven that uh that, you know the, the benchmark actually can outperform over over you know long periods of time yeah and um you know i was re- recently reading a book where essentially um out of out of the 14 uh fund managers that sort of outperformed the S&P leading up to the financial crisis only one of them actually outperformed the S&P in 2008 when there was the global financial crisis yeah. so it kind of shows that like just because a fund manager is doing well doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to be on this sort of like winning streak yeah um, and it's also the other thing and i think i've read this somewhere or listened to it somewhere was like in an actively managed fund with a fund manager uh, the fund manager's own smart decisions will be nullified by his own dumb decisions. <laughs> so it's kind of okay. like it's kind of like this thing where, yeah, okay, cool, he'll um, you know buy you know buy Tesla in the first part of this year does really well, but equally he might you know buy UK car retail outlets and they've done the shit. So it's like mm. I don't know, it's kind of that thing going on where it's like your own brilliance will then be dragged down by your own stupidity. And it's that sort of thing where mm. in, a, in a passively, in a passive fund, you might not get that. Um, so, you know, that's kind of something interesting. Yeah. It's kind of people doing well on some yeah. and not doing so well on others. It's kind of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think it's also been described that going into passive funds, it's, it's essentially guaranteed mediocrity. Yeah. That, that's how it's described. And so like, you know, for all, all the listeners, I think if you are somebody that, that likes the idea of guaranteed mediocrity, yeah, I'd certainly consider, um, you know, go, going into going into passive funds yeah, uh, or, or certainly considering it. Yeah, that sounds kind of boring. But then if you on the flip side of that, if, you know, if everything takes a shit and your passive fund doesn't shit as much, it's like, you know, it's kind of that sort of thing. It's like, mm. Okay, fair enough. It might limit your upside, but then it, that actually might prove to be a positive in a, in a market, in, a, in like a bull market. Do you know? What, does that make kind of make sense? What's well, so he saying that uh, being in a passive fund means that in a downside scenario, you're, um, limit, you're, you, limited. you're limited to the index movement. So yeah, I guess that in kind of any situation, it's kind of you know if you've got that, uh, I don't know. You, you kind of get what I'm trying to say is that. Mm. Um, with it's a medium risk and so your downsides are medium and your upsides are medium versus you know taking on something slightly more risky where your upsides are really big but your downsides are also yeah much bigger and also i think some people can kind of say that um you know going into an actively managed fund or like like alpha generation it's it's it can be thought of as like a zero-sum game so there'll be so if, if there's a kind of an, an index, say, that, that invests in UK, there's, there's a UK uh, equity index, right? Say, for example, like, say, say like the FTSE All Share. Yeah. So you have all these equity managers um, that charge, say, on average, like 1% annual management charge. Yeah. And they, they invest in some part of, of that kind of overall sort of universe. Mm. And so, you know, by, by just the, the sort of, differential in the performance of, of all, all the different shares the those asset managers will do better or worse than than the than the average benchmark over a certain period and so if if you're looking to get a fund manager 
you know, you might you might outperform, you might underperform, but kind of the the aggregate alpha is zero. So why don't you just yeah go for the guaranteed mediocrity and just um, just go just go into the, the the fund and pay lower charges? So uh, that was just sort of something that I yeah, was thinking and about. No, no, I I get that. I get that. It's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, my my philosophy on it is that I don't really know what the hell is going on, so I'm gonna I I, I don't mind um, having passive exposure. I don't. I yeah, I, and I like taking kind of using my intuition to try and pick a stop, but not you know putting all of my eggs in one basket on that front and being mm. like that's the golden goose. And so I like you know you limit mm. that, so you so if it goes well, you kind of get that you know yeah. you feel good about yourself it's kind of like it's kind of fun and whereas you know if you put all of it into some sort of ridiculously low risk tracker thing um i don't know might be for you it's not it's not necessarily for me i don't mind having that kind of um you know my own active management on that front mm. um yeah so i don't know for and also like, i guess like a final point on this is a good thing about potentially going into a passive fund is that say say you're going into like the S&P 500 which which consists of the top 500 most capitalized um companies in America yeah you know over over decades what will happen is there'll be there'll be changes so like for example you know you've had like big oil companies you know and like General Motors sort of potentially fall out and then um you know big tech coming in yeah and if if you're in a if you're in a passive fund that's that's going to happen you 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 basically you're going to slowly um kind of move with the times if you like um whereas yeah. whereas whereas if you say uh are in an actively managed fund you're not guaranteed that the fund manager will actually make that make that call and be like actually you know maybe tech is the future i know this is kind of we're sort of talking retrospectively here no um, i get it and, I get and, it. and, and yeah, also and also like another sort of similar thing going on from that is that's potentially another sort of risk of um, holding shares, direct direct shares in the company, because at some point in time, there will be, you know, a paradigm shift, be it over a short or a long period of time, where actually the way in which people do things changes. So if you held shares in, say, in, say you know, Lloyd's Banking Group in like the 1980s, potentially when like finance was booming, yeah. you'd have made a lot of money and, and, and um, you know, sort of sold tickety-boo. But um, as we've seen... Um, you know, the finance sector and Lloyd's, for example, has, has really struggled. Um, and, you know, their, sure, their, share, yeah. their share price has gone down, you know, it's, it's net down over the past 10 years. Um, and so, you know... The opportunity cost on, on, on that is so high. Like, if you had £10,000 in Lloyd's 10 years ago and, you didn't ha- and then you didn't, like, stick in that position, like, I don't know what that is, but, it, like, if you had it in a FTSE tracker... I don't know what's gone on. I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know. No, but I, like that is a high opportunity cost to sticking yeah. with Lloyd's in that situation. Yeah. yeah. So that must happen a lot. Yeah. And, and anecdotally, I think we've actually had this conversation potentially off, off the pod, but um, one of the, one of the fund managers at, at um, Hargreaves Lansdowne, I remember he actually did a, he did a, a presentation uh, for, for some of the members of staff when I was there and I sort of attended and uh, he had, he basically had this um, sort of, sort of story sort of titled, um, my investment that cost me forty thousand mm. um, pounds, and, and basically 
what he did was he invested in 2008 into a speculative online dating mm. company and um and basically the the company went bust and so yeah. he lost he lost like a lot of money um and he was basically saying that if 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 he went down the guaranteed mediocrity route yeah um he would have um essentially like quadrupled his money in like 12 years or whatever yeah, 10 yeah. years and so you know that that's actually something that's that's really sobering is that like you know yes you could you could try and hit a home run but if you if you actually maybe like take down a notch and actually accept something that's on the face it's slightly more boring you could actually really really meaningfully have a different uh scenario in the future which yeah, is beneficial for you. The, the other flip side to that is that in terms of like financially yeah it's a mistake but it's quite interesting thinking about it as like you know um you never regret doing something but you do regret not doing something kind of thing and so it's that thing where you know fair enough that one that one time you put eight thousand pounds into something and it didn't come off and how do you put it in a footsie tracker and really like not giving the monkeys about it and then he'd have more more money now but, you know, you kind of, by the same token, it's that thing where, you know, if you don't take that chance, you don't take that opportunity, you don't risk it for a biscuit, um, you might end up kicking yourself. And I know in that situation, mm. you probably wouldn't. You'd be like, shit, I dodged a bullet there because I didn't get into that dating website, which went to zero. Um, but, you know, what happens if it was like Uber's IPO and you'd have put £10,000 in and then now you're starting on like... 850,000 you know it's kind of that maybe it's kind of that thing as well and that's not my not my point of view because I'm not as as I'm not really like um um I'm not really into that kind of that kind of speculation but I don't know it could be for someone someone might think Mm. you know you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and so maybe (laughs) maybe maybe it's not that sensible but maybe it's kind of more impulsive than that I, I guess I guess like if making that decision ends up costing you money you can still learn from the situation mm. and so you know that's still a valuable insight for an investor you know like I, I i think i think one of the best things that can happen for an investor is to actually invest and be in the market during during a market turmoil so so you know if i say put money in um pre-covid i mean i had money in the market pre-covid but then you know, s- straight off the bat, seeing seeing the you know twenty thirty percent depreciation in, in like equity markets, whatever. Yes, you're down a lot of money, but y- you kind of you learn you learn that you learn the sort of the emotional side of things, and you kind of it stands you in good stead for the future. Yeah, no, um, I get that. I get that. In fact, in a kind of I guess this is what what, what route we're going down, I and mean, what we're talking about here. Active versus passive. Active versus passive. I'm just about to talk about um, anyway so there's a guy called Tim Ferriss he's a really well known guy he's just podcasts business coaching that kind of thing and he was saying that like he bought a house um, it, I think it was in like Los Angeles or California or something or both or whatever and um, and then the market took a shit essentially and he mm. was down massively on this house and he just like saved loads of money to buy it from his uh, energy drinks business I think and um, anyway took a shit and then he was like losing money on it essentially because he was like paying this massive mortgage and it wasn't worth very much. I can't remember the, exactly the insides and outs. But, and, and all his friends were like, oh, you're going to have to rent it out. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. And he ended up just being like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm going to go and do something that's more productive that I know I can make a success. And so he went off and like wrote a book and that did really well. It was, I don't know. It's kind of this like change in energy and it's like don't get too bogged down in the losses. 
and kind of just like move on from that. I don't really know how that fits in to be fair, but yeah. Well, I guess, I guess like potentially there's the whole kind of emotional side of cutting losses. And um, I think in a lot of studies, it's shown that investors are much more likely to take profits than they are to cut losses. So mm, because, because yeah. if, you know, if, if you, if you say invest a hundred quid and it's now 50, um, you know that you're crystallizing that loss and then that takes you sort of behind that, where you were. that would make it real. Because <laughs> that would make it real, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, um, whereas on the flip side, if you're, if you're making money, you're like, oh, like, I'm not sure if I want to sell now. You know, like, let's just take my opportunities. And, you know, like for me personally, you know, we've mentioned this before, but I've, I've currently got a share in Tesla and, you know, it's just astronomically big increases in in share price Every day. like it's up seven percent today like it got to like thirteen hundred dollars i was like oh, okay you know it's probably gonna you know maybe like start going down a bit now and then it's went up to fourteen hundred now it's fourteen fifty i think at the, at, at the time of recording this um and i'm you know like i've been speaking to people and they're like oh like maybe you should sell and um you know it's it's so it's so it's so tricky to to really uh decide decide what to do yeah so all, all of these things will be i guess will be uh relevant for, for for the investors listening listening in yeah i mean it is interesting because i th- i think that tesla you need to get out of it like you've done so well out of tesla and it's it's just going up 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 and it's like you know when does it stop maybe it won't stop maybe it's going to be a big daddy but i don't know <laughs> it's interesting to think about but i just think at the minute it's like oh shit that's expensive um, but then in five years from now, people might be like, oh man, that was cheap then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of one of those things. It's like, do by getting out and sort of making a semi-savvy, potentially savvy financial decision versus, you know, the other side where it's like, oh, two years down the line, you've doubled your money again or whatever. Yeah. So and it's like, it's kind of that thing going on. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, didn't, didn't we do like a calculation that like if you'd invested in amazon on yeah, the ipa yeah. you put a thousand pounds in it you'd be a millionaire now if, if you'd mm. held on mm. and you know that's interesting because you know imagine how many times during your historical holding period where you were like oh i've got to sell i've got to sell uh and i guess a lot of people would have decided to to take profits but now they might be sat there thinking oh if only i'd i'd done that but I, I suppose that's a negative way of thinking. You've, you've got to be, you've got to be more. Um, yeah. You've got to be more. What's the word? Just accepting of, of the fact that you're not going to make every right call. And and yeah. mark, oh, market's like market timing and market sentiment is so hard for any individual to to really understand. And you know, professionals notoriously get it so wrong. I mean, you know, like for example, like Neil Woodford is the famous um uk equity manager who who like smashed it when he was working for invesco and then set up his own shop and then it was was again like fe- featured heavily on on various um fun shortlists and then you know came came crashing down made 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 bad calls mm. yeah. so i i think I pe- people pe- people need to bear in mind their their own their own shortcomings and, and the fact that they're not going to get it right every time. Yeah. You need, you need, you need to be humble, I think, to some extent. Hmm. So, so yeah, should we, should we try and summarise that then? So, active versus passive. Yeah. So, for any, for any so anyone listening in, so 
active versus passive, you want to determine whether you want guaranteed mediocrity. I yeah. think that's the, f- the first step. Yeah. Um, at which point you know that you're probably going to allocate pretty much all of your money into, into, into trackers. Yeah. Second reason for that for passive is you get cheaper fees. Third reason, you um, you keep up with with changing paradigms. So the the companies of tomorrow will filter into the indices. Uh, and and vice versa. Exa- yeah. Exactly, and, and and the losers fall out, um, which sort of automatically updates your portfolio. And then yeah, lastly, if, if you fancy uh, taking the chances around the edges. Feel free to generate some alpha, but beware, yeah. beware, beware of your bias and beware of your potential shortcomings. Yeah, and no one is, no one is immortal, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah, and you, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so right. So right, like even Buffett got out of airlines, and then airlines doubled in a month or something. So you know, yeah, it's going to happen. It's always going to happen, and you're never going to get it right. I think that's the truth. Like you're, you're never going to get it right, getting in at the right time, getting out at the right time, or and it, and if and if you did get it right, was it down to luck? Yeah, and potentially yes. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, well, in the wise words of Matthew McConaughey on Wolf of Wall Street, it's like you don't know if a stock's going to go up, down, or sideways. Yeah, I don't care if you're Jimmy Buffett or Warren Buffett. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, that's good. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Again, hopefully you managed to uh, infer some pretty useful stuff. Um, And yeah, stay tuned for, for next week's episode. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers, guys.